Ladies and gentlemen, in the red corner, hailing from the state of Nevada, representing the steam and wise guys, it's the always feared Vegas odds maker. And in the blue corner, the crowd favorite from South Florida, Mark Winning Picks Lawrence. And now, let's get it on. Against the spread, Winning Picks with Mark Lawrence. Welcome back, everybody. Once again, this is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King with a special edition of our Against the Spread podcast as we get all set for the March Madness NCAA basketball tournament tipping off this week. This weekend, we'll also be back next week. Set your clocks for our special Sweet 16 edition of Mark Lawrence Against the Spread as we cover you wall-to-wall with basketball from now through March Madness. And with that, I want to welcome in our co-host, Victor King from King Creole Sports, who, first of all, I need to say, Victor, one terrific job on your part helping put together our NCAA March Madness Tournament Guide this year. For those of you out there who aren't aware, Victor puts together our round-by-round NCAA Tournament histories, and he also puts together all of the non-NCAA tournament information in the newsletter, our NIT tournaments, our college basketball invitational tournament, and college insider tournament information. Tip of the hat to you, Victor. Great job on the NCAA Tournament Guide this year. Thank you, Mark. Uh, as you know, everybody here at Playbook, we work very hard on this. It's a 16-page publication. Our annual March Madness Tournament Guide, you can get it, of course, at playbook.com. Definitely required reading. If you're going to be making a wager or two here during the opening weekend or in the next couple of weeks as well, of course, Charles, uh, MJR, yourself, Gary, and Jeff, and Colleen, we work very, very hard. Jim as well. And we're very proud of that publication. Again, it's definitely something you want to get your hands on before we transition into this hectic week and hectic time of the year. Uh, the last time we spoke to everybody was uh, back during bowl season. And I want to first congratulate Mark on winning his 10-star bowl game of the year back on January 1st. Notre Dame in the Citrus Bowl. Uh, the NFL playoffs were good to us. Our service ended up going 6-2 and two in the NFL playoffs, including the winner on over the total in the Super Bowl. So football, we have fond memories of both college and the NFL, and we are heading into what many think is the most hectic time period of the season when we combine all the sports And we're talking about the NBA regular season winding down. Same with the NHL. Major League Baseball is getting geared up for a late uh, March start. We've got the March Madness Tournament beginning. Of course, uh, it has begun already with the play-in games. But not only that, we've got an NIT tournament. We've got a college basketball invitational tournament. We've got a college insiders tournament. It is a hoops mania time of year, and we are looking forward to the action this weekend. We sure are, Victor. Big time with all these basketball games set to tip off. What I'm going to say officially on Thursday, we've had the play-in games on Tuesday and Wednesday. We'll be set with 64 teams moving forward beginning on Thursday. And as we put our March Madness Tournament Guide together this basketball season, Quite an endeavor, to say the least. I mean, nonstop wire-to-wire from the Selection Sunday announcement of the pairings up until the publication went out on Tuesday. About four hours sleep for yours truly between those two days, but it was really a labor of love to put the March Madness Tournament Guide together. And with it, when putting the guide together, Victor, the things that hit me first of all were the teams that were not in the tournament. The teams did not Mm -hmm. get invites this year, and uh, with that, being the case, I have to say this maybe a little bit of an editorial that I think it was the poorest job of selections by a committee I've seen in a long, long time. And it's easy to jump on a bandwagon and point fingers and uh, pick out all the faults after the job is done because I know it's a mountain of a task doing just that. But there are some no teams that were left out with no justification whatsoever in my mind. I know we saw it last year and we talk about it each and every year, but. Uh, I have my little list of uh, four teams that I thought warranted being in this tournament here. Two for sure, 
I'm going to ask you yours, Victor, your opinion on those teams as well. And uh, in fact, I'm going to do, do that first. Let me you, you share with us, if you would, the teams that you thought are not in this tournament that deserve to be. You know, I also thought that Selection Sunday was kind of disjointed. The new show on TBS was not enjoyable to watch. It was uh, a little bit hectic itself, and I was not pleased with their new way of introducing the teams that did make the tournament or, or that didn't as well. But uh, you mentioned that, and you can easily make a case that there was seven, eight, maybe even nine teams that deserved to be in the tournament that did not get in. I would submit to you that St. Mary's from the West Coast Conference is probably one of those teams. Uh, Notre Dame, that was the bubble team from what we hear, the team that got eliminated when Davidson won their tournament game. So Notre Dame. Uh, I would also submit to you that both Louisville from the ACC and Baylor from the Big 12 Conference both had a very good case of making it to the big dance. All teams well-deserving, no question about that, Victor. And uh, I'm going to throw a couple more teams onto the pile, if we can jump on this pile here, and say that I was shocked, totally stunned when Southern Cal did not receive an invitation to this tournament here, especially when as opposed to the fact that Arizona State did. Uh, You're talking about two teams, one that finished second in the Pac-12 conference in Southern Cal, the other in eighth place in the conference in Arizona State. I think far, far too much weight was put into uh, what happened before they went into conference tournament play, their non-conference scheduling. The fact that Arizona State got out to that surprising start but collapsed like a cheap suit down the stretch, but it was still enough to get them into the tournament here. And if I had to add another team here that I thought was deserving, it would be Oklahoma State ahead of Oklahoma, a team that uh, the Cowboys defeated two times. They beat the Sooners twice this basketball season here. They also beat Kansas twice this basketball season, did Oklahoma State. But yet, some way, somehow, because of these new contrived RPI ratings that they now call quadrants uh, in the NCAA basketball tournament, and what quadrants are, just quickly, is uh, uh, they're not ditching the RPI completely, but what they're using is the RPI in a more defined sense where they're breaking them down into four areas with RPI-ranked teams in home games against the top 30, neutral games against the top 50, and away games against the top 75. And then they go on into a second, and a third, and a fourth version of that. To me, this is over-analytics to the max. Uh, we're living in a world right now where uh, analytics is taking over the world of sports. We're seeing it with a lot of uh, teams outside of uh, the sport of basketball. We're seeing it in baseball, football, and everything. And it's paralysis by analysis is what it really comes down to. Uh, you have to pass an eye test at some point. And uh, these teams that Victor and I just talked about passed the eye test. Uh, some of these other teams did not. But because of analytics and driving down the nail with analytics, these derivatives that everybody thinks are the the key to success, it just drives me bonkers because it has to get back to what you see and what you feel and how teams perform. And, uh, you know, I'll get off my soapbox here for the for that time being. But uh, those were the teams that uh, didn't make the tournament that I thought were well-deserving. All you need to do, Victor, is look at the NIT tournament seeds, uh, the, the number right. one seeds in the NIT tournament, Notre Dame, Southern Cal, St. Mary's, as you mentioned, the Baylor Bears, as you mentioned, the number two seeds, Louisville, Marquette, Oak State, and Utah. Those are all teams. Those eight teams are all deserving, obviously, to be in this tournament here. And uh, the case for St. Mary's, 29-5 and five and don't make the tournament, that's ludicrous. I know that you could talk about their schedule, but the schedule is a result of uh, who, who was put in front of you and who you knocked down, what neighborhood you play in. Uh, there, there's only one other team that was 29 and five, one other school that didn't make the NCAA tournament. That was, uh, the, uh, Carol- coastal Carolina. They did it twice back to back years, 29 and five teams and didn't make the tournament. So now St. Mary's becomes that third team in this unjustified sense, I guess, uh, of teams that aren't in the tournament, but Victor, let's talk about the teams that are in the tournament here and what we can do and focus in on perhaps maybe making some money from now till they cut down the nets, uh, a uh, couple of what I would call, first of all, overrated teams uh, on my list of overrated basketball teams. And I'm going to ask you yours, and then we'll talk about the sleeper teams as well. But uh, on my overrated list, I've got uh, my list here uh, at the top. 
I think we have a number one seed that's completely overrated in Xavier. Uh, I understand records, and I understand the conference that they live in, but uh, if you look at this basketball team, there's a lot of holes to be found, especially defensively with Xavier. And when it comes to winning basketball games in this tournament here, defense comes to the forefront first and foremost, and there's a lot of holes, as I mentioned, with the X-Men here. And I think uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see this team bounced out, maybe even, not uh, not even to make it to the Elite Eight, maybe even the Sweet 16. Uh, there's uh, deficiencies that they bring to, to the table here, uh, especially their shooting clip. Uh, they allow 54.6% uh, inside the arc. Uh, not outside the arc, just inside the arc. That's terribly weak for a number one seed. I also have to put on my overrated list the obvious, the Auburn Tigers, uh, along with Arizona State, who are on a major Tom Petty free fall. They're free falling, Auburn and Arizona State. And I would say Syracuse as well. So the Arizona State-Syracuse winner is going to advance out of the early play-in game, but I look for them to be bounced out real quick. And I think Auburn... Uh, another early seed that could be bouncing out as far as overrated teams are concerned. Victor, who's on your overrated list from what you see so far? I agree with both of those, but let me run by the region. First off, in the south region, I kind of call it the black and blue region. There's more physical punishing defenses in this region than any other. Also, for you trivia fans, there's more Wildcats in this region than any other. (laughs) Kansas State, Kentucky, Davidson, and Arizona. I think it's the toughest region of the four, and I have no teams that I believe are overrated in this particular region. And uh, I think it's the only region where the top four seeds all make it to the Sweet 16. Um, Moving on into the uh, West Bracket, what I call the Wide Open West Bracket, And you touched on it, Xavier, probably not deserving of a number one seed. I don't even think they get by a potential second-round match against the Missouri-Florida State winner. So I would agree with you in that. My favorite nickname of the entire tournament is in this region, and that would be the Jackrabbits of South (laughs) Dakota State who take on Ohio State in one of those dangerous 12-versus-5 matchups. And uh, in in terms of overrated, you mentioned it with Xavier. I would submit to you that North Carolina is a pretty overrated team as well, Uh, a reason that I like uh, Michigan to go far in this particular region. In the east bracket, I kind of call it the carnage or the volatile region. Yes, you got a strong Villanova team there. Uh, Yes, you got a strong Purdue team. Uh, In terms of teams being overrated, I would submit to you that perhaps Texas Tech not quite deserving of a number three seed in that particular region. And then finally, in the uh, uh, Midwest bracket, I don't know if Kansas is deserving of a number one seed. They're so dependent on the three-point shot, and they're going to take on a very tough Ivy League champion in Penn that defends the three very well. So in terms of a number one seed, I would probably overrate the Jayhawks a little bit. And I would agree with you that I think Clemson, a, a game that we're going to touch on a little bit later is probably not deserving of over five seed. And again, it's one of those very dangerous five versus 12 scenarios. As long as I'm in that, let me throw this out here. In the last 10 years, Mark, in the 12 versus five first round, everybody knows by now these days that you basically automatically play in the 12 every year. They've gone 25, 13, and two against the spread. That's 66% in the last 10 years. Even from a straight up perspective, 18 and 22 straight up, 12 versus five last 10 years. So they win almost half the games. They went three and one last year, and the number 12 versus number five has gone 13, four and one ATS in the last five years. So take a look at those number 12 seeds again this season. That's Davidson against Kentucky, the Jackrabbits of South Dakota State over Ohio State, Murray State against West Virginia, and again, New Mexico State against Clemson. Victor, I'm going to say this uh, in that south region here, which I think is the toughest region, I agree with you. I also see the top four seeds making it all the way to the Sweet 16, Mm -hmm. Virginia, Arizona, Tennessee, and Cincinnati. Uh, But moving forward uh, from that, going into the west bracket, the west region, as you mentioned here, that South Dakota-Ohio State game, I think, has upset written all over it. I think the Jackrabbits get past the Buckeyes. That's a number 12 seed. That's also what I call, we call this in the Playbook Tournament Guide newsletter, a double champion who's a dog to a non-champion. Those are very, very good plays in the NCAA tournament. You'll find that with the Jackrabbits against the Buckeyes in that particular 
matchup. Taking a look over, uh, recapping what you did, Victor, in the in the West here, I've got Gonzaga meeting Michigan uh, in the Elite Eight round. Uh, I see Gonzaga taking Xavier yep. down there as well. Uh, over into the Midwest side of things, uh, you know, Kansas is a, a little bit semi-cushy in the sense that, yes, they will get past Penn. I think Penn's going to give them more than they want in that basketball game. I think they'll move past uh, NC State or Seton Hall. The guy I look for to be a troublemaker coming out of the Midwest will be New Mexico State. We'll talk about mm-hmm. that game in just a, a little bit here. But I think they can go so far as to possibly meet Kansas in the Sweet 16 round. Uh, and you've got the Michigan State-Duke matchup, which is, looks to appears to be inevitable. Over in the East, uh, it's very, very difficult to uh, look at anything other than Villanova coming out of that because everything underneath Villanova, I think that whole bracket is terribly light. It's the lightest uh, lower half of a bracket I've seen in a long time here. And I've got Texas Tech meeting Villanova only by default, if you will. Uh, we'll talk about uh, a little bit about uh, how they get there when we – preview our two basketball games coming up here our two marquee games on the show here but uh one other note before we wrap this up victor here is teams in the play-in games we made this note in the tournament guide that there's always been at least one team out of the play-in games that have found their way uh into the second round of this tournament and that my vote would be saint bonaventure who already uh, has that one big win over ucla the bunnies were cooking at the end of the season here, they had a little bit of an injury in their last conference tournament loss. This basketball team, I think, can take down Florida and maybe even move into what I would say then would be that second or possibly a battle for the Sweet 16 round. Quickly, Victor, before we go to a quick break here, sleeper teams that we're talking about here. I know we hit on them uh, a little bit of an overpass, but uh, who would you make as your official sleeper teams to watch in the tournament this year? Again, since we're talking about the South, I would say none because we both think the top four seeds make it to the Sweet 16. In the uh, West bracket, I like the uh, number 10 Providence team. I think they upset Texas A&M in the first round, so I think Providence has a shot of going pretty far. In the East, I would submit to you Butler, the number 10 seed over Arkansas, and also West Virginia. I know they're number five seed. That's a pretty good seed. But I do think the Mountaineers could potentially go pretty far. And then finally, in the Midwest region, New Mexico State, the dangerous number 12 seed. That is for sure. We're both in agreement there. And I would also submit that I think Oklahoma has the potential to go far as a number 10 seed. In my quick review of the sleeper teams, in no particular uh, order, St. Bonaventure, who I hit on a 26-win basketball team, I think they still have business to take care of. Wichita State, a 25-win team this year who underachieved. It's hard to underachieve with 25 wins, but they did that this year. They've got five starters back from last year's 30-win team. Look out for Wichita State. They can become dangerous. Uh, we talked about New Mexico State. We'll hit on them a little bit deeper when we come back after the break. And my other sleeper team that I would keep an eye on here, guys, would be Loyola of Chicago. This basketball team can play. They're ferocious defensively, and nobody shoots the ball better offensively than, the, than does the Ramblers. Look out for Loyola of Chicago. If they get past Miami in that first-round basketball game, they can make a lot of noise. Don't go away, guys. When we come back, Victor and I, we're going to tear down Two key opening round games, one on Thursday, one on Friday, when we're back with more here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. Hey, sports fans, football season is here, and it's time to get in on the action. MyBookie.ag is an industry-leading website that offers odds and action on your favorite games. Take advantage of the MyBookie specials before they're gone. Call toll-free at 1-844-900-2387 or visit us online at mybookie.ag to open an account. Pull out your smartphone to sign up with our user-friendly mobile site for on-the-go action. What are you waiting for? Come join mybookie.ag today. Call toll-free at 844-900-2387 or go online to mybookie.ag to open an account and start winning today. Only the biggest, only the best, only at mybookie.ag. Sign up today. 
Have your morning coffee with Mark Lawrence each day when you join his all-new Coffee Club. Delivered in your email box the very first thing every morning, Mark shares with you his first take on the daily sports scene, ranging from top situational plays to handicapping tips and commentary from fellow Coffee Club members. It's a quick must-read for the serious sports fan. Join the Coffee Club today at playbook.com and have your morning coffee with Mark each and every day. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back, everybody. Mark Lawrence along with Victor King with our special edition March Madness Tournament ATS show, our podcast here. Victor and I are going to go over two opening round matchup games we think are key and have good, good handicapping edges and size in each game. Start with Thursday night, Victor. A big matchup when Texas take, t- takes on Stephen F. Austin. Uh, now, what appears to be Stephen F. Austin, you say, my goodness, you know, what can be special about this basketball team? Well, I'm going to tell you what I like about them. Victor, your take on Texas Tech and Stephen F. Austin. Number three seed versus a number 14. And these could be actually two of the happiest teams in the entire NCAA tournament field. We have two Lone Star State teams. They're playing in Dallas in their home state. Of course, American Airlines Center in Dallas at 725 Eastern on Thursday, I immediately played the under in this game when the line came out at 140 and a half. Some of the value has been sucked out a little bit. The last time I looked, it was down to 137, 137 and a half. That's a good three-point line swing already on the under in this particular game. Of course, uh, Texas Tech, they got six players on their roster that are from the Dallas-Fort Worth area, including four starters so it should be a little bit of a smoother week of preparation for both teams with the game, of course, being played in Dallas. And both of these teams, in terms of a big dance, or at least one coach in one team, they're not strangers to upset, upsets, that's for sure. Stephen F. Austin went, to, what, 28-6. and six. They won the Southland Conference. They were a number 14 seed in 2016 when they upset West Virginia. They were also a number 12 seed in 2014 when they upset VCU. So they're not a stranger when it comes to upset wins. And, of course, on the flip side, you got Texas Tech, number two in the Big 12. Of course, head coach uh, Chris Beard, his last tournament was in 2016 with Arkansas Little Rock when they upset Purdue. Now, for our over-under fans out there, We know Tech plays a very, very good defensive brand of basketball. They're only allowing 64.7 points per game. That's 17th best in the country. They're allowing only 40.3 field goal percentage. That's eighth lowest in the NCAA tournament. Outstanding defense. Yes, they went in the middle of the road, 14 and 15 over under on the season. They didn't go too far in the Big 12 tournament. They lost in round two to West Virginia Of note, however, is the fact that that game did indeed go under by double digits. I mentioned Stephen F. Austin and the fact that they won the Southland Conference Tournament, a low-scoring game against Southeast Louisiana, 59-55. to What uh, is interesting is the fact that all three of their tournament games did indeed go under the total and by an average margin of minus 12.3 points per game. So, yeah, I'm liking me some under action in this game. Texas Tech one and five over under the last six big dance games. Two and eight over under last ten neutral site games. On the other side of things, Stephen F. Austin one and seven over under last eight neutral site games. They finished the season on a three ten over under run in the Southland Conference. We're going to draw the line around one thirty six here. If the line drops below that mark, I think we perhaps pass. But we're currently in the 137 to 137 and a half range. And I'm going to uh, grab me a piece of the under in this particular game. If you're looking for two more opinions on Thursday, we're taking a look right now at potentially San Diego State Houston under 142 and a half and Penn Kansas under 146 and a half. But in terms of this game, in Dallas, we're going under the total with the Red Raiders against the Lumberjacks. Victor goes under the total in the Stephen F. Austin-Texas Tech matchup for his side in this basketball game. Texas Tech comes in, having knocked off 10 of 16 teams that they faced other fellow tournament teams this year. They were 10-6 and six straight up, but only 6-9 and nine to the spread in those other 
tournament type team games. The last three times Texas Tech has been in the NCAA tournament, they've lost the money three consecutive times in a row. And in fact, the last three times they've entered into the tournament off a straight up and point spread loss. They're also 0-3 against the spread. This team really bottomed out at Texas Tech to close out the basketball season. They were 22-4 to start the year, 14-9 to the spread to begin the season here. Then they proceeded to go 2-5 straight up, 0-6-1 to the spread the last seven games of the season. They do bring a solid defense here, allowing just 64.7 points per game, which fits nicely into Victor's under-total side in this matchup here. But the Red Raiders are free-falling as well. Stephen F. Austin, this is a basketball team whose campus, by the way, is only three hours away from Dallas, so there should be some pretty good support for Stephen F. Austin in this particular basketball matchup here. They call them the Kentucky of the Southland Conference, Stephen F. Austin. This team is in the NCAA tournament now four of the last five years, a 28-win team. And you look at their uh, dossier this year. They lost by five points at Mississippi State. They won by two points at Louisiana Tech. They won by one point at LSU. And they lost by only one point at Missouri This is a basketball team here that beat West Virginia in 2016 as a 14 seed. They pounded the Mountaineers 70 to 56 here. I like Stephen F. Austin in this basketball game. It's our upset special in our March Madness tournament guide. No, no, it's not the upset special, I should say, but they are an upset in the making, Stephen F. Austin here. I'm going to play them plus the points against Texas Tech for my side in this Thursday night basketball matchup. Victor, with that, let's move on now to our Friday night marquee game. We're going to take a look at the Clemson-New Mexico State matchup here. Victor, your take on the Tigers and the Aggies on Friday night. I would give a slight uh, court advantage to New Mexico State. The game's being played in Viejas Arena in San Diego. One of those uh, late Friday night tip-offs, 9.55 p.m. Eastern time. we got a number five versus a number 12. We touched on those dangerous matchups for the number five seed earlier on in the show. So New Mexico State definitely with some upset potential, if not winning the game outright. The line, Clemson right around four and a half, over underline open at 133 and a half. It's come down about a half a point to 133. And I'm also liking to be a little bit of under action in this particular game. Clemson 15 and 14 over under on the season. With that said, they were uh, number four in the ACC, 23-9 and nine on the season, but the second-best defense in the ACC, uh, allowing only, what, 65.8 points per game, 29th-best defense in the country. Also, taking a look at our March Madness Tournament Guide, we have this beautiful page uh, six in the guide, where at a glance you can look at each team in the field, and their pertinent statistics, and of course what jumps out at me is the fact that Clemson is allowing only 41% in defensive field goal percentage on the season. As I mentioned, one of the better uh, ACC teams in terms of defense, and they have gone under the total in each of their last four non-conference games. From New Mexico State, they got a defensive field goal percentage that's even better, only allowing 39.2%. Number five in the country, they're only one of only seven teams in the entire field that's allowing less than 40% in defensive field goal percentage on the season. And like their counterparts, allowing only 63.8 points per game, that's 10th best in the country. Obviously, from a statistical standpoint, this game is pointing to the under, and we still have some pretty good value with the fact that the game uh, has only come down a half a point from the opening line. We could see an upset here. Either way, I see New Mexico State winning a close one somewhere in the area of 64 to 62, giving us us about seven or eight points of value on the under. Also on Friday, we're looking at a couple of other games. Right now, they're just opinions. But take a look at Murray State, West Virginia, over 145.5. Providence versus Texas A&M under 138. But in regards to this game being played in San Diego, we're also going low with Clemson taking on New Mexico State. Another under from Victor, Clemson, New Mexico State to stay under the total in that Friday night matchup. The Clemson Tigers come in here from our NCAA March Madness Tournament Guide, 6-8 and eight straight up 
eight and five to the spread against fellow tournament teams this year. And by the way, we tear down every team straight up ATS against the spread in the March Madness Tournament Guide here. Our great, great reference source there for that particular stat. Clemson one and six to the spread. The last seven NCAA tournament games, the Tigers have not fared well when going dancing. Only one and four to the spread when favored by more than two points in March Madness tournament games. Uh, Coming into the contest here, take a look at the New Mexico State. We talked a lot about the Aggies here for all the right reasons here. This team ranks in the top five in the country in both defensive field goal percentage and rebound margin here. Those are two key critical stats to win games in the Arch Madness basketball tournament here. They're 2-0 and straight up and against a spread against other fellow tournament teams this year. So they've gone up against the big boys twice. They've knocked them down two times this year. They've been a number 12 seed four times in this tournament. They've won all four games to the spread, has New Mexico State, as that number 12 seed. They happen to be the poorest free-throw shooting team of all the tournament teams. Let's hope it doesn't come down to free-throw shooting here, but we're talking about this basketball team being an underdog in this particular contest here. Their first-year head coach, Chris Jans, was a former assistant at Wichita State for three years, and he brings that playbook over with them. They didn't miss a beat this season here. In fact, they were improved highly this year under Jans in his rookie season with New Mexico State. The key factor in this game comes from the tournament guide here, and this is our incredible stat in the tournament guide. And what it does is it applies against Clemson here. Clemson comes in here with a terrible record in games against teams that own better records than do the Tigers. They're just 3-15 and 15 straight up against teams that have a better record, 6-12 and 12 to the spread the last two years in these games. But more importantly, in those same games, if they take on an opponent that has a win percentage of 625 or better, as do the Aggies here, they're 0-15 straight up, Clemson is, and 3-12 and to the spread. I'm going to play New Mexico State, plus the points straight up into the with the spread in this game from my side in the Friday night basketball matchup. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence against the spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show. And it's time now to hop out to Las Vegas as we get the Vegas vibe to find out what's going on with March Madness with our good friend Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Vegas. Andy, How's everything going in Vegas as we get ready for March Madness this weekend? Well, Mark, as you might expect, things are very uh, frenetic, very hectic, a lot of anticipation, a lot of excitement in the air. And combined with all the wonderful weather that we've been having, uh, Las Vegas is uh, is alive, uh, recovering from the uh, roughly six-week dull period between the Super Bowl and the start of March Madness. And uh, sports books have been as busy as we've ever seen, and they are expecting a record handle uh, in the books this season. Andy, this record handle we're talking about, uh, not only for this basketball tournament, which is upcoming here, but we saw a lot of it in the football season here. And it's only pointing more and more to the popularity of uh, sports wagering. It's just uh, kind of going off the charts here. Vegas is seeing it especially here. And uh, let me ask you this question here, Andy. With that being the case and looking for a record handle again, maybe this tournament as well, do you anticipate if the legalization happens of sports wagering for that to affect Vegas in an adverse or a positive way? There's been uh, speculation on both sides of that concern, but I think the general consensus, or at least the uh, majority consensus, seems to be it will have either minimal negative effect or certainly some positive effect because of the overall experience that Las Vegas and Nevada has going back many, many decades with the technology, with the offerings, with the making of the entire experience. And people will want to feel more comfortable about coming out to Las Vegas to enjoy that experience. Uh, A lot of the uh, properties in Las Vegas do have plans, if not already establishments, in other areas of the country. So uh, the corporations that uh, are based in in Las Vegas and Nevada uh, will reap some of the benefits because of their uh, positioning throughout the country. Uh, overall, I would expect that there won't be much of an impact one way or the other, at least for the first couple of years. It'll be certainly nice to have, one, that legalization happen, two, to have the sports books in Nevada being the main anchor support for this system that will be put in place. And uh, as you know, uh, being in this industry for a long, long time, both of us, we're really looking forward to seeing something like that happen on a national basis. We're visiting yeah, with Andy I, I, Isco. I would, I would, I'm sorry, go ahead. I would say, no, I was going to say, Mark, I think what you will see is I'm not going to make the comparison between the minor leagues and the major leagues, but I think a lot of people will be able 
to now not have to travel very far to get the sports betting experience, uh, but they'll be doing so in uh, venues that don't have the uh, the history that uh, or the really the experience that we have out here. So people will find out uh, that it's a it's a fun activity, it's an enjoyable activity. Let's go to the big time now and come out to Vegas with all the shows and everything. It will take, I think, several years for uh, places around the country to get up to the level that currently exists and has existed out here for many many years. Yeah, I agree, Andy. I don't think the atmosphere will be there, the excitement from the atmosphere that Vegas or other sports books in Nevada would create. But in this world that we live in now, this mobile world, uh, I can anticipate people having in the palm of their hand on their apps the ability to do like they do in Vegas now is to bet these games off their apps. So it'll make it very, very convenient, I think, uh, to say the least, when, when and if that happens here. It looks like it's possibly real good news on the horizon for legalized sports wagering. We're visiting with Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. And Andy, if you would, let our listeners know about the Logical Approach basketball newsletter for March Madness. What have you got on tap for our listeners out there? Well, actually, I I don't have a newsletter for the uh, basketball season. It's just the kind of uh, pacing uh, that uh, allows, or rather, that does not allow for, at least for my ability to publish something on a weekly basis because of the games being played in rapid succession during the week. So I'm sort of uh, not quite on hiatus until we get back to the football season as far as publications go, but uh, I do get involved in uh, in, uh, in providing selections on a uh, a daily basis, but uh, for folks who go to my website, they can get statistical matchups on a daily basis uh, for both the NBA and college basketball with some unique statistics, much along the lines of the ones that I provide up there during the uh, uh, during the football season. And uh, once baseball gets underway, I provide a lot of information on the website as far as uh, pitching matchups go for uh, Major League Baseball, concentrating a lot on uh, the differences and some of the key numbers behind the starting pitchers, which really starts to take effect now about five or six games into the season. So usually uh, I consider the statistics to be somewhat meaningful for the current season once we get really to about the second week in May. And those are must-have statistics. I might want to let our listeners know out there. Check it out at thelogicalapproach.com for all your basketball inside information. Numbers from Andy Isco from thelogicalapproach.com in Vegas. And Andy, before I hand it off to Victor, for a question that he wants to run by you on the show this week. Are there any moves that you've seen uh, that have been noticeable uh, from the opening numbers till now? I think the Ozmakers did a real good job personally of putting some pretty solid numbers up early on, and I don't know if there were any holes, and if there were any holes, these movements might largely have occurred because of injuries, but what's your take on what you've seen so far in Las Vegas? There have been a few moves that have uh, have occurred. I think one of the earliest moves in, involves my alma mater, the uh, University of Pennsylvania, and their matchup against the uh, uh, top seed in the Midwest region, Kansas. Uh, Pennsylvania came in seated as a number 16. I personally had them seated as a number 14, but I'm not so sure that the move downward from an opening of 15 down to 13, 13 and a half is all that much justified. The Ivy League was very weak this year, and Kansas has the experience. Uh, uh, but I think the, we've heard some talk about, well, maybe this will be the year that a 16 will beat a 1. <laughs> I, I don't really think that's going to happen, and I think that there may be some value actually on playing uh, Kansas in this game. Uh, although I will admit that uh, uh, Steve Donahue, the coach of Penn, pulled an upset of Kansas when he was with Cornell about a decade or so ago and actually started to uh, jumpstart his career. But I don't see that happening. Kansas is still a very, very solid team. And they did play in what arguably has been the best conference in college basketball this year, uh, the Big 12. That was uh, an immediate move that took place. Of course, we've seen other moves uh, occur. You mentioned the the injury moves that uh, we uh, we saw with the, uh, the injury uh, being suffered by uh, Virginia, which, interestingly enough, did not trigger that much much of a move when the news came out late uh, uh, Tuesday night. Uh, that line opened at 22 is pretty much settled in at 21 and a half. But I think what we see in understanding these line moves, we talk about it in college football a lot. College football is played once a week. These tournament games are played basically every day, uh, whether you consider it the NCAA, the NIT, or the other two tournaments. And I think what we see is the big syndicates who are responsible for a lot of the lines moves 
don't get involved until within 24 to 36 hours of game time because they're involved in games that are being played prior to that. So, for example, we saw some line moves in some of the opening round NIT games, and we'll see it again for the Wednesday night games. And then once we get into probably late Wednesday and early Thursday morning, we'll see some of these line moves occur that may move some of these games two to three points, which is a huge move, as you well know. But these moves in college basketball tend to occur later rather than earlier after the initial movements that occur within, say, two hours of the lines having been posted on Sunday evening. So there really uh, are none that really jump out at me other than maybe a couple that have moved uh, a point or a point and a half. For example, uh, Bucknell uh, Bucknell against Michigan State in a game being played in Detroit uh, on – uh, on Friday, that game opened with Michigan State a 13-point favorite. They've gone up to 14 and a half. Maybe that's a reaction to the game having a favorable location uh, in Detroit for Michigan State, although I wouldn't sell this Bucknell team short as far as being able to provide uh, some nice competition. Uh, the Butler-Arkansas game also being played in Detroit on Friday has been interesting. That game opened pick, and we've seen line moves go both ways. Arkansas was a one-point favorite, then Butler's a one-point favorite, and Butler's now pretty much consensusly a one-and-a-half-point favorite in that game with a couple of twos uh, showing up as well. Uh, but I, I'm hard-pressed to find any moves that really raise my eyebrows and say, I can't really understand that. But that will change over the next 36 to 48 hours. Perhaps maybe one move, Andy, uh, might have been that Florida State-Missouri movement from Missouri opening up one to Florida State, the favorite, because of uh, Jordan Barnett, the uh, forward from uh, Missouri, being out of this game because of a DUI arrest. So that could be one of the other moves, I guess, in particular. But there will be moves. You can mark that down between now and tip-off time because there will be a lot of opinion by a lot of sharp players in Las Vegas. We're visiting right now with Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Vegas. And, Victor, I know you've got a question you'd like to run by Andy on the show as well. I do. There's one game that I want to get Andy's impression on that we touched very briefly on it. It's one of these uh, 1 versus 16 matchups, Andy. It's going to be played, uh, it looks like, on uh, Thursday, Wichita, Kansas. Penn against Kansas. It's pretty rare when you see a number one seed team and they're not laying at least 15 points in the game. Kansas opened at 15 and a half. They're down to 13 and a half. That's a pretty low line, I think, for a number one versus a number 16. Your impression, Andy, number one, you know, a lot of people say that the worst thing than a public backing a favorite is a popular public underdog. Is Penn one of those that we should stay away from? Or is there potential value still on Penn and their great defense to hold down a Kansas number one seed. Well, that's, that's the game that I talked about at the top, Victor, and I mentioned about Penn uh, playing in the Ivy League, which was down this year, but I'll expand upon that a little bit and say that Penn was an underdog in seven games this year. Uh, six of those games, they were underdogs by only six and a half points or less. The other game in which they were a significant underdog was when they were catching 21 points from Villanova, and they lost that game by 28 points. Now, what that tells you, the fact that Penn was not a very big underdog for much of the year, is that they didn't play that difficult of a non-conference schedule when they played some of the teams like the Monmouths and the American Universities. Now, they did play games against LaSalle and St. Joe's and did fairly well in some of those games. Actually, in a couple of those games, I think they were actually favorites. But the game against Villanova was somewhat telling the fact that... And Jay Wright Wright normally doesn't... put the pedal to the metal against uh, his non-conference big five rivals in Philadelphia, but there was nothing Penn could do about it, and they just kept seeing that lead uh, that Villanova had keep growing. So my concern is whether or not Penn can um, uh, compete for 40 minutes against Kansas. I mentioned that I had Penn as a uh, in my, on my ranking of the 68 teams as a number 14 seed rather than a number 16 seed. And I think that what a lot of the uh, professional betters out there who jumped early may have seen the same thing, that the numbers projected Penn to be better than a typical 16 seed. 
but the numbers for those teams at the very bottom of the bracket are not that strong this year compared to years past with a number of new faces in the tournament or faces that haven't been in the tournament uh, for a number of years. We saw that, for example, last night with a Long Island team that I had ranked as, I think I ranked them as the second weakest team in the entire tournament, and I had Radford up there as a high 15 seed and wasn't surprised that Radford was able to control that game. So I think from a numbers standpoint, Penn has the profile of a team that is better ranked than a 16, team, 16 seed, whereas Kansas, we know, is strong. And keep in mind that this year, the Big 12 was the top-ranked conference statistically, and Kansas, uh, once again, despite a struggling start early in the year, has played its best basketball down the stretch. They beat a very highly regarded West Virginia team three times this season. Uh, I, I think when I was discussing this with Mark, I think I concluded that there really may be some uh, value on Kansas this year with that number going down. I think we saw that last, uh, what was it, Tuesday night in the uh, NIT matchup between Wagner and Baylor. Wagner took a lot of money. That line dropped from Baylor down, I, th I think they opened 15. They dropped it all the way down to 13. And so the smart, the quote-unquote smart money was coming in on the underdog Wagner. Baylor won that game going away, winning by a 21-point uh, margin in a game that wasn't that close. Andy, let me say this here uh, before I, I ask you for your complimentary play on the show here. Uh, with regard to the Kansas line, as we're, we're hitting on here, delving into the point spread, in my database, I was looking at this while you and Victor were speaking here, and since 1990 in the NCAA tournament, there have been a total of 11 number one seeds that have been favored by less than 20 points in the opening round. Those teams who were favored by less than 20, those number one seeds, went 9-2 and two to the spread. And the the lowest spread that we find in our database of a number one seed was in nine or make that two thousand and six, when Memphis played Oral Roberts. Memphis was installed as an eleven point favorite. They won and covered the spread in that game as well. So this is the second lowest total, or second lowest spread, I should say, by a number one seed in this tournament since nineteen ninety. Kansas, all those points favoring the points that Andy was drilling home about being value on the Kansas Jayhawks in this particular basketball game. Interesting notes about Kansas coming into this tournament here as we talk here with Andy Isco from The Logical Approach in Las Vegas. Andy, as we always do on the segment here, before I let you go, I know our listeners would love to know what you've got for an opening round play that you could pass along on the show to our listeners this week. Well, Mark, I'll get back to that in a moment, but I just want to expand upon your talk about the number one seeds. And we've seen this, you know, we've had 33 prior tournaments since 1985 when the seeding of the 64 team field uh, began. And we've seen great parity in college basketball increase over those 33 years to the point where we've seen the lines drop really in all seats, but especially the ones versus 16s and the two versus 15s, where those lines have continually dropped over the years as far as the uh, the uh, number, the, the, the actual number by which these teams are favored and the number of teams which are favored by those big numbers. And in fact, if you take a look at the history of the number one seeds, we've seen fewer of them make it to the round of uh, uh, the Elite Eight. Fewer of them make it in the, even into the Sweet 16 in recent years. And if I, my numbers are correct, if my memory is correct, something like in five of the last eight years, uh, we've had uh, uh, at least one number one seed get knocked out before the uh, the Elite Eight, something uh, along that magnitude. So the number one teams have been a little bit more uh, vulnerable because of the greater parity nationwide in college basketball. And I'm going to go to some of that parity with some of these minor conference teams and the game that's being played uh, on Thursday in the uh, Boise um, uh, the Boise Idaho uh, region, and that's the game between South Car South Dakota State. And Ohio State, Ohio State, basically an eight-point favorite over South Dakota State. South Dakota State, the back-to-back uh, uh, -back now champions of the uh, Summit Conference. Uh, I've seen a couple of seven-and-a-half showing up out there as well. Ohio State had a, a great season under the former Butler coach, came in taking over, uh, well, two months after last year's tournament when uh, Ohio State made a coaching change. Uh, and he's brought the uh, the Buckeyes along uh, nicely this year, although they did not play their best basketball as much down the stretch as they did early in conference play. And Ohio State was one of those teams that uh, lost three times to the same conference opponent, Penn State, uh, which did not make the field. South Dakota State, a much better team uh, than they were last year. Last year, they were, I think, 18 and 16, and they won the conference tournament against South Dakota. They had a rematch uh, this year, but South Dakota State has been uh, the uh, better team 
uh, in conference play this season. Getting eight points seems an awful lot for one of those 12-5 matchups. Wouldn't be surprised at the outright upset pulled by the Jackrabbits, but I'm going to look for South Dakota State to give Ohio State everything it can handle. And if this game is close in the final few minutes, don't be surprised if South Dakota State advances. Andy Isco all over South Dakota State against Ohio State. I concur with that play as well, Andy. Great point you bring out. The fact that the Buckeyes lost three times to Penn State, who did not make the tournament this year here. You wonder whether or not they could be a little wobbly, the Buckeyes, in this basketball game against a veteran South Dakota State basketball team. We'll put Andy down for South Dakota State for his play, a double champion South Dakota State on the show this week. Andy, great job on the show, as always, and we're going to look forward to visiting with you next week for our next and final Sweet 16 special edition here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. And with that, I'm going to wish you the very best of luck this week and enjoy the madness that goes on in Vegas this weekend. You know, Mark, the only sad part of March Madness is that by the end of this weekend, more than three-quarters of the field will have been eliminated. This tournament (laughs) goes by so quickly. But at the same point, when we get together again next week, We're going to have 16 very, very good teams uh, making it to uh, uh, that round. And there'll probably be a few surprises in there. The uh, the fun this week will be finding out those few surprises. Maybe South Dakota State could be one of them. There'll be a few others that I have in mind. But I wish both you and Victor and all of our listeners the best of success in what is annually the most fun time of the year. Andy, have a great week this week. And we'll look forward once again to checking in with you for Sweet 16 next week. Best of luck and thanks a lot. Thank you, Mark. That was Andy Isco joining us from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. And don't go away, guys. When we come back, Victor and I are going to put the final wraps on the show. I'll share with you my awesome angle of the week. And we'll also share with you our complimentary plays as well when we're back with more here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. Have your morning coffee with Mark Lawrence each day when you join his all-new Coffee Club. Delivered in your email box the very first thing every morning, Mark shares with you his first take on the daily sports scene, ranging from top situational plays to handicapping tips and commentary from fellow Coffee Club members. It's a quick must-read for the serious sports fan. Join the Coffee Club today at playbook.com and have your morning coffee with Mark each and every day. You'll be glad you did. Attention sports fans, it's time to get in on all the football action at mybookie.ag. This industry-leading website is renowned for having the best odds and more betting options than any other sports book online. This is why Mark Lawrence only endorses mybookie.ag. Call toll-free at 1-844-900-2387 or go online to mybookie.ag to open an account and start winning today. Get the odds you want and the fast payouts you need guaranteed. That's mybookie.a as in Apple and G as in games. Tell them Mark Lawrence sent you. Only the biggest. Only the best. Only at mybookie.ag. Sign up today. And now, the moment you've been waiting for. From the hot South Florida sun, it's Mark Lawrence with his awesome angle of the week. All right, guys, let's get to it. Our awesome angle of the week on our special edition March Madness show here on the Against the Spread podcast. We call it 16-pound sledgehammer. And what we're looking to do is to play against any NCAA tournament team in the first round that won 16 or more games last season. If they're coming in off consecutive back-to-back upset underdog wins in which they beat the spread by six or more points the last game, and are not a double-digit dog this week. These 16-pound sledgehammer teams have gone just 2-17 and 17 against the spread in these opening round games. That becomes an 89% play against Awesome Angle. With that, we'll play against Michigan as our 16-pound sledgehammer play will play against the Wolverines using Montana for our Awesome Angle play on the show this week. And with that, I'm going to hand it off to Victor King from King Creole Sports for his complimentary play on the show this week. And Victor, if you would, let our listeners know what you've got on tap this week and also all about the NBA totals today available daily at the playbook.com website. Right, Mark. We don't want to forget about the NBA. It's flying under the radar these days. We've had a very good season in the NBA. The totals today, daily publication available at playbook.com. 
We cash a really nice underwinner last night. That would be Tuesday night in the NBA with the Spurs and Orlando Magic going under the total by double digits. So let's not definitely forget about the NBA. Our uh, college over-under plays will be posted at the playbook.com website. Uh, beginning tomorrow, we got one game going in the nighttime action, our only over-under of the day. And let me run through three quick areas real quickly here, if I may. You know, first off, a popular way to bet as of last season in both college football and the NFL was the money line underdog. Uh, we talked about it numerous times with Andy on the show. And if you're thinking about a money line underdog with some decent odds, let the line of six be your gauge. Uh, I've just went through into the uh, playbook database, and all of our numbers, of course, go back to 1990. And in the NCAA tournament, favorites of greater than six have won the game straight up 88% of the time, pretty high. However, favorites of less than six have only won at 56%. So, again, if you're thinking about a money line underdog, look at those dogs of less than six points. Those are the ones. Let the line of six be your line when determining if you want to play a money line underdog or not. We touched on the 12 versus five seeds at the beginning of the show and how dynamic they've been over the years. Another one that's making a run mark is the 11s versus the number sixes. In the last nine years, the number 11 against the number six in the first round. They've gone 22, 13, and 1 ATS. That's a pretty solid 63%. But get this, they've gone 19 and 17 straight up in that nine-year period. They win more than they lose. So here we got a couple of potential money line underdogs that I would submit to you. Loyola, Chicago. You mentioned the Ramblers. They're getting two against Miami. Possible money line play there. But another one that you mentioned, Mark, St. Bonnie. They're getting five and a half against Florida. They've got underdog potential. They have outright money line underdog win potential as well. So take a look at those 11 versus sixes. They went six and two straight up and six and two ATS in the last two seasons. They're making a run. Finally, and Mark, before we get your free play, you may want to submit what you think your final four is at this time. And for me right now, I would throw in... I think the only definitive number one seed that makes it to the final four is, of course, Virginia. In the West bracket, I like Michigan to make it to the final four. In the Midwest bracket, I like Michigan State to make it to the final four. Yeah, I think the Big Ten is going to be pretty well represented. And finally, in the East bracket, this is the only bracket in which I'm kind of hemming and hawing. And in half my pools, I went with number one seed Villanova. The other half, I went with number two seed Purdue who is having a tremendous season as well. So I'm going to call it Villanova, but uh, again, I think Purdue has a shot at making it a very, very special Big Ten representative Final Four. Victor King is Final Four teams being Virginia, Michigan, Villanova, and Michigan State. I'm going to concur with three of those four Final Four teams. I happen to like also Villanova, Michigan State, Michigan, and I'm going to put the Cincinnati Bearcats in there. I think Virginia may get upset along the way. I think maybe perhaps that might come against a showdown with Arizona, perhaps in a sweet 16 matchup here. But put Cincinnati in there for my other Final Four team, and we'll see exactly how this all shakes out. We'll talk about that more when we're back next week on our Sweet 16 Special Edition show here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. And check out also Victor's NBA totals today, daily other than Thursdays, online at playbook.com. And for all Keen Creole sports plays, log on at playbook.com daily to find out what Victor's got on tap for you each and every day. Victor, before I get to my complimentary play on the card here, I want to also throw in one other money line dog. You hit on those about Loyola, Chicago, St. Bonaventure. I'm going to throw also Andy Isco's play into the mix as well. I like South Dakota State as well, does Andy. You can play them plus 320 against Ohio State. I think it's a real strong money line play in a possible upset South Dakota State on a money line play. Before I get Jack to Rabbits. my compliment, Jack Rabbits, there we go. <laughs> my, before I get to my complimentary play, I want to remind our listeners once again about mybookie.ag. Our friends at mybookie.ag are offering a special 50% sign up bonus in time for March Madness. 
to take advantage of the 50% offer, call them toll-free today at 1-844-866-BETS. That's 1-844-866-BETS. Or log on at mybookie.ag today for your 50% sign-up bonus. And be sure to download your copy of the NCAA March Madness Tournament Guide from Playbook today. You have all these stats and facts in your hands just in time for the tournament games. And while you're there, we've been on a red-hot winning run, guys. We've gone 7-1-1 one, one, our last eight conference tournament releases on our late phone basketball service here. I'm offering a two-day first and second round total package coverage from Thursday through Sunday for just $99 complete. To take advantage, again, log on at playbook.com or call me toll-free now to get on board for my $99 March Madness first and second round special offer at 1-800-321-7777. My complimentary play on the college basketball tournament card this week, and I'm going to play Murray State plus the points against West Virginia here. This is a double champion in Murray State who's an underdog to a non-champion. We talked about this in the tournament guide and the success that they've had. You're talking about a Murray State racer basketball team that's not only experienced in this tournament, but this year they lost by four points to Auburn. They went into Wright State, who's in this tournament, and walloped them by 19 points. Uh, they also happen to own, uh, are going up against, I should say, a West Virginia offense that's the second worst ranked offensive field goal percentage team in the tournament. Uh, West Virginia here can't hit the, uh, the side of a barn. They're, they're one of the poorest shooting teams in this basketball tournament here. And, in fact, if you have your tournament guide and you go to page six of the tournament guide and look at all the statistics, you'll find they shoot only 43.4% from the floor, does West Virginia here. I think this game's got upset in the making here. I'll play at Murray State plus the points against West Virginia for my complimentary play on this show. That's going to put the final wraps on this special edition of our March Madness Tournament here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. Remember, we'll be back next week with our Sweet 16 special edition show, Will Victor and I. Until then, once again, for Victor King from King Creole Sports and Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com and our good friend Jack Reynolds, who we know is always listening from above, this is Mark Lawrence reminding you to always remember to bet with your head, not over it, And good luck as always.